Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our June 15th edition of Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. I'm Coach Alan DeRitter, head soccer coach at Double Sal, and also director of coaching and president of Soccer Innovations. We uh, start this show always off with a prayer. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Take God, I'd like you to place your blessings on Paul, my wife, who's uh, celebrating her birthday today. And um, I pray Thanksgiving that she's allowed us uh, and supported us uh, to be able to have this show because this takes away from our time together and uh, inconveniences her quite a bit. And uh, I'm praying Thanksgiving for her contribution just by just uh, um, allowing us to um, keep this show going um, in spite of all the hassle that it is to put this show on the air. Pray for her blessing, continued blessings and continued health. And, um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, life goes on uh, when you're an adult uh, during, during uh, when you have a birthday. And that was one of the big ugly realities I had to learn when I got out of college that uh, birthdays, yippee doodle. <laughs> you go back, you still have to work. All right. Um, I, I thought we were going to have a week show tonight, uh, but uh, we're going to have anything but. Um, and this is June, and uh, uh, I have a lot to cover. I, I think we're going to cover a little uh, nuances from the high school realm. And uh, and uh, I had a real good conversation, uh, conversation uns with some coaches recently. And I, I want to give you some of my reflections on on um, high school uh, in the in the last segment. But in the first segment, um, uh, we're going to really be talking about uh, this. I don't know what you can even call it. It's like an explosion of clubs here on, on the South Shore of New Orleans, which I know you people in Lake Charles and in uh, Shreveport really don't care about this, but um, you might, you might, um, because this this could happen in your community overnight. Um, it's exploding, and I gotta admit that. Soccer Innovations, my club, was probably one of the clubs to start this movement where people saw that, well, hey, if uh, they can make a club and they can compete and beat Division One teams, uh, then why, why can't we, you know? And and uh, um, and there's nothing wrong with that at first, but now it's just like, I don't know, we'll let you be the judge. I really want to hear what you have to think about after tonight's show on Monday Night Football's uh, Facebook page. It's a better place to, to, to banter. Uh, you know, let, let's get a conversation going about this show because I really like to hear your opinion. That's at M-N-F-U-T-B-O-L um, on Facebook. Uh, before I get started, though, I want to thank everybody for their support of last week's show. Last week's show, I was I, I waited till Wednesday to publish it. It was ready to go Monday night, but um, uh, I just wanted to make sure I didn't say anything that would that would be um, taken the wrong way because everything is so hypersensitive right now. And uh, I had a couple people edit the show. Not edit, actually. We didn't change a thing to it, thank God. But I would definitely wanted to have people listen to it beforehand because uh, um, I really didn't want to say something uh, and get taken out of context, which happens so much in my life. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people have been taken out of context 
recently um, that that uh, and that it's a shame that it's happened because uh, because they really are good people, a lot of them. Um, and so uh, I definitely don't want to put my name in that hat. Uh, by the same token, I, I don't think we could be quiet. Uh, and if you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, listen to last, last week's show. You can go back to Facebook, our Facebook page, and uh, listen to it, and or go back to Crescent City Sports, uh, where where um, you know uh, I, I'm so thankful to. Uh, those people at Crescent City, Jude and Kenny, that uh, keep us keep us on the forefront, and um, we have such a wonderful relationship with them. And um, yeah, so they're all there. Uh, uh, listen to it and tell me what you think um, about our our evaluation of race relations in soccer in Louisiana. Okay, uh, so anyhow, I uh, thank you for your support, and uh, uh, it means a lot to me. And you people who uh, who who emailed me and uh, messaged me, y'all know who y'all are. And uh, I just want to give you a shout out on the show uh, because it really uh, helped me to go to bed satisfied on knowing that, uh, number one, I wasn't taken out of context. And number two, that people got the message that uh, that is not a fair playing field out there, Uh, period. Okay. And, And so do we just accept that and just suck it up or do we do something about it you know and uh make sure that the 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 underlings if you will the people who are on the disadvantaged side uh they already have enough strikes against them uh why should they have a strike when they walk on the field um that they're not going to be treated as fair as the team that uh that has all the talent and has all the resources and has you know x y and z you know so um if we're really about player development, that's one thing I don't like about uh, politics. Politics, everybody says we're for the, uh, like in America, we're for the American people. Okay, well then why are we fighting so much if we're for the American people and we disagree? Why aren't we working towards an agreement? And the same thing in soccer, for, for player development, um, there's a lot of stuff going on in our sport right now that you could say you're for player development all you want to, but uh, the results uh, are on the field, the proofs and the pudding. Uh, I think in the male game and the female game, I don't think it's a different – I don't think it's the same kind of scenario. We've talked about this ad nauseum on the show that America is really one of the first countries to take women soccer seriously, and now the rest of the world is catching up to us uh, like a freight train. Um, and, and so uh, I still think we're ahead of the curve when it comes to the girls' game, when it comes to the boys' game, you tell me we got our best athletes on the field. Okay? <laughs> and then I'll laugh, and then I'll show you we got drafted in the NFL and the NBA. Okay? Um, just saying. So, anyway, that was last week's show. and uh, and But this we're going to talk about, uh, um, in this first segment, I'm, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the uh, stuff going on with with club soccer as of as of right now. One of the, let's, let's talk about the good news first. The good news is uh, one thing about this COVID situation that's been very very good is that it's taught a lot of us in all of our professions how to use uh, these video platforms where you can talk face to face with people. Not the same as being in the same room, but still much better than a conference call, and because uh, you can text each other at the same time, and and uh, people's feelings can be. Uh, uh, at least felt, you know, and uh, and empathized with. One thing that's been great is uh, we have another webinar with LSA this week, and uh, that'll make three in three weeks. 
And I've had more contact with Shreveport Monroe coaches in the last three weeks than I usually would have in over a two-year span with just going to the AGMs. So that's something maybe we've kind of uncovered in Louisiana soccer that instead of having people having to drive four hours to go to an AGM and just be there for two hours, wouldn't it be better to have maybe four web calls for four hours instead of wasting that time in a car and uh, and and really voice each other's concerns out. And actually what's happening on these webinars is people are actually helping each other and supporting each other. Of course, we don't have all the clubs participating. That's our problem with the AGM. You know, we just barely get a quorum and, uh, and the rest are just out there, you know, um, not rowing with us. Um, and, and so... I'm hoping that the people who are listening right now who are in the clubs, that they participate. It's going to be Wednesday. Uh, all you got to do is contact Tucker Reynolds at LSA, and, uh, and we can get started with that, you know. But anyway, um, that's one of the positives. Now, a big major development that's happened here on the South Shore that some people think is positive and some people think it's negative. Um, you be the judge. But the Houston Dynamo is coming to New Orleans. Um, had a meeting with Julio Paez, who I really believe has had a conversion experience. Um, um, and he really wants to bring um, – um, cooperation and a helping hand to everybody who's willing um, to just be humble enough to ask for his help. And uh, he brings the resources of the U.S. Houston Dynamo to the plate, okay? And and uh, a lot of people are thinking, well, Houston Dynamo is going to be just another Chicago Fire, and they're going to be two monsters in the same area going nose to nose. And, yeah, I, I don't see that as happening um, at all. And um, it could happen. It, it very well maybe in the future could happen, but I don't think right now it's it's going to happen. And I think the reason why is we have so many little kingdoms out there. Um, I, I was a part of the, uh, when Julio brought the idea of the Chicago Fire to all of us, okay, to Hubie at Lakeview and and uh, Louie at uh, Carrollton and me at Soccer Innovations. Uh, the whole idea was, okay, let's come together. Let's make one club because our teams keep going to regionals, our club teams, and um, and they get annihilated by 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 clubs from Texas and Georgia that have over three thousand members, and so these elite teams that go to regionals, they're the best of the best of the best. Okay, and uh, and we send our our teams in that scrambled to uh, you know beat Monroe and beat Shreveport, then beat Baton Rouge, and then beat a couple of the clubs in New Orleans, a couple of clubs in Baton Rouge, you know, and then and then they get to regionals, and then we just get annihilated. And so the whole idea was that, okay, well, we can maybe put a, a real top-tier team into regionals. Um, if, if everybody in all of the five major groups in Louisiana would work together to put their best 18 people on an age group team. Okay, that was – is that a wrong argument, you know? Um, well – Here's how it fell out, though, as years gone by, as years went on. Okay, the players that didn't make D one, all right, the the, the top tier team, um, uh, they had a bad taste in their mouth, and they were to go play for the Presidents Cup, but they were really only a tick worse than the players who were playing, you know, for you for for the uh, D one team. Okay, and um. And, and of course, you start hearing the arguments. Well, the coach didn't like me, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't this, I wasn't that, you know. And and so they start they start um, 
um, playing President's Cup, and it's just not the same as playing D1. And quite frankly, you're going to develop at the level that you're trying to ascend to, okay, uh, to, to a certain degree, okay? That's that's something we can have another conversation about. You know, I don't know if it's healthy for um, for a – uh, a player who's really D4 level to be playing against D1 and expecting success, trying to skip all those those um, levels. But a D2 player can go toe-to-toe with a D1 player and beat him on any given Sunday, you know? And, uh, and so a lot of these players started dropping off Okay, and uh, and and we wound up getting these spinoff clubs. Uh, I am glad the soccer innovations wasn't really there for that reason. I think that's why we always have had a good relationship with all the clubs in Louisiana because they don't they didn't see us as uh, a frustrated uh, group of, of of their ex players coming to play. Uh, uh, we were all the way in in the West Bank. Uh, I always like this little uh, cartoon where Simba and Mufasa are talking, and Mufasa's pointing to the elephant graveyard, and he says, "You must never go there." And we have a little meme on the West Bank that says, uh, "Simba, that is the West Bank. You must never go there." I mean, there's just some reason that's kids from the East Bank are just not going to come to the West Bank to play. So we we were um, we were developing a, a, a different dem- demographic, but at the same token, we were de- developing a bunch of players that. Had no financial means to play D1, but had talent. And we started to make a lot of noise with those teams and uh, won a couple of D2 state titles. And, uh, you know, uh, I think people started to see that it was possible to be able to do that, you know. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, that we were the reason for this, like, explosion of these little little clubs, but um, you know, we have an explosion of little clubs. And some of them putting their kids or their teams in LCSL. And taking their chances, okay? Well, uh, the negative, the, the positive, obviously, is that they get a chance to play the, the D1 level. The, the negative is that the chances of advancing to nationals may dwindle if the talent's diluted. Like, the argument that there's there's a couple of arguments out there. Like, okay, well, if Louisiana Fire, Baton Rouge Soccer Association, okay, uh, uh, Lafayette Youth Soccer Association is going to be the creme de la creme, then the, the creme de la creme are going to j- always go there, you know? But what happens if a D2 player goes to play for the the, the Dynamo and Broussard, okay? And he develops, he develops, he winds up going to like a William Carey, whatever, but his baby brother's a D1 player, and he grew up going to the Dynamo. What's going to happen? He's going to go to the Dynamo, okay? And so it's it's like a cycle where we're now going to go where we've placed a couple of teams in the Final Four, um, going to go back to where we'll have all our t- talent diluted again, okay? Um, uh, that's something we got to chew about and think about, everybody, okay? Um, uh, and also another negative is um, teams like my soccer innovations team, it's so expensive to play D1. The, just the registration is double. 
Okay. Uh, and so what we have done in the past is we just registered as a rec team and then played in as many tournaments as we could. And, and the kids would be satisfied with, well, we couldn't afford to go to nationals. There's no way we can pony up that kind of money. But you know what? The team that did go to region three, we beat them three to two, you know? And of course that kind of, gets the team that goes to regionals irate, especially with the parents when they're paying $4,000 a year for their kid to play. And they just lost to a team whose kids play $20 maybe a week, <laughs> you know, to play. And, and, uh, and so what happened in the last AGM is the state cut that stuff off. Now a rec team can go to two tournaments and that's it. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to backfire because I think all these little uh, clubs that we have are just going to start having their own tournaments. You know, uh, I don't think it's that hard to have one. I think I could pull one off in a couple of weeks. You know, I have a lot of experience running tournaments at the high school level. And uh, if you have cooperation in fields, then you're good to go, you know? So watch out for that, y'all. Um, but anyway, um, Here's the deal. But if that happens, okay, then these these smaller teams, these rec teams, are going to be playing rec teams and not those Division One teams anymore. So we're going to have another elite class like we used to have, and and another you know substandard tier which wasn't that big twenty years ago, but but now will be again, okay, and and so. Uh, we're all talking about player development and and everything else, but uh, it, it's kind of like a, a dog chasing its tail. It really is. Um, uh, the, the, both arguments have positives and both arguments have negatives, and and we really just uh, cannot come together. That's where I'm hoping these um, these webinars can maybe facilitate that process. They don't cost anything. It's a chance for us to really. To, to be heard, okay? And uh, when you go to an AGM meeting, the big clubs have multiple votes. So a lot of the small clubs don't even bother to show up because it's a waste of time. You know, they have one vote and uh, and so they feel like they can't make a difference, which that's also errant way of thinking because if you did come to the AGM, you could voice your opinion. You might convert some people and let them hear another point of view. And also, if all the little clubs showed up, they have a they have a vote apiece. You know, I don't think that, that's always been a problem with uh, with with uh, uh, the majority is that they just think that the minority has all the power and they don't exercise their their ability to come out in mass numbers. Um, so I don't want to go go off on y'all teaching history. I just got finished teaching Western Civ <laughs> for a whole summer school session. So, but 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 really, uh, that's always been my frustration in the AGM. The little cups complaining that they never get heard, but then I I would throw back at them. Then why didn't you show up? And they give you that kind of excuse. Well, with the webinar, they can't use the money excuse, and they can't use the three votes, whatever, because we still have to go to AGM to 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 have things. To be passed. I mean, that's in our bylaws in LSA. Um, but uh, at least we can work together and hear things out. I think another undercurrent we're going to have to watch out for in Club Ball Two is um, is that uh, we uh, we have U.S. Club Soccer really starting to gain a lot of momentum in Louisiana. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Competition's never a bad thing. I think, uh, but but okay. Um, 
Um, I'm glad to see that we have so many people scrambling for soccer. That's a good thing. Okay, it's a really good thing. Um, working together would be a great thing. Anyway, we got to stop and pay a bill. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about uh, a group that's trying to do that in New Orleans area. Um, we, they call themselves the Alliance. And uh, we'll talk about them on Monday Night Football, you voice of youth soccer. We'll see you after the break. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Monday Night Football, you voice for youth soccer. Okay, so what's happening in New Orleans as of the last week is uh, an alliance has developed. Okay, um, um and uh, they're going to start from scratch and try to make a league amongst themselves um, um, and keep it economical um, uh, so that kids don't have to spend thousands of dollars to, to play. But at the same token, we got so many of these little clubs. Okay, so here here's going to be the alliance. Jambalaya Soccer Academy. It's in Kenner. L.A. White Stars, which I don't know if they're in Kenner and Metairie. Okay. Um, Gulf South Texans, which is a Baton Rouge-based team. Um, JPSA, Jefferson Parish Soccer Academy. Um, um, then the Dynamo. Um, which is going to be based right now, um, pretty sure in Laplace, Soccer Innovations of America. We're based in West Wego. Uh, the Montagua Juniors, uh, I, I don't even know where they're based at, okay? And, um, then the Jesters, who are based, uh, I think, uh, in the middle of the city, and uh, West Bank FC, which is uh, uh, an alternate soccer club Um in Gretna, uh, Harvey area, uh, right next to us in West Wego. So um, now they're going to make a U6 and U8 league and start building from there. And, uh, and and we'll see how that goes. You know, you just heard all my arguments in the last session. Uh, the whole idea of an alliance is a good thing. But uh, I think there's going to be a rift between all of us and the alliance and Louisiana Fire, and don't forget FC NOLA uh, uh, in the East and the Spartans, okay? Um, the Spartans has become like a juggernaut uh, of a club. Uh, kind of reminds me of the old uh, Carrollton days, you know? And uh, they actually practice in, in Tag Gormley. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we have an alliance, and it's primarily really all, all of those are, for the most part, Hispanic organizations, which let me tell you something. When I started Soccer Innovations, there was no such animal, and uh, uh, and I was just trying to get straw kids to play club ball. Then I turned on the lights. Um, all these players from West Jeff, Eric Higgins, uh, uh, Helen Cox started coming out of the woodwork. Okay, uh, they want to play club ball too. They love the game, and uh, they just a don't have transportation to get to Lafreniere and Carrollton and uh, like at the Fly and uh, and Lakeview, and, and b they don't have the money to be able to fork up. Uh, in their cultures, a lot of them uh, youth soccer. If you're a good soccer player as a 15 year old, you should be getting paid uh, to play, um, not pay to play. And and so the mindset starting to change as generation are now uh, starting to grow here and people are starting to see that the American system is pay to play. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and so here we go. And now uh, I don't know everybody uh, in the Alliance personally, like personally, personally, like, 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 like buddies. And so, uh, you know, you'd have to talk to each one of them about their financial um, um, organization. 
Um, but, you know, I, I would hope that all of them are not trying to make a, a, an excessive profit off of the kids. Okay. Um, um, but one thing I didn't mention in the last segment, which is the elephant in the room, when it comes to club ball, money is the driving force. What I love about high school is that's not the driving force. Admissions might be, but not, not so much money. And, um, and there are people who make and make their living coaching the game at the youth level. All right. Uh, we can argue whether that's correct or not correct. All we want to. Um, I gave you a little video from uh, England a few weeks ago. Uh, they're having the same argument over there. How these kids are forced at the age of six to make professional level decisions. And, you know, it's... it's you know, I don't know. It's just, just so so much wrong with that. I think, I think we we miss the boat that these are children and they need to be formed and they need to be mentored, not not um, not exploited. Not saying that you can't have an elite club like IMG uh, develop players for top dollar and get them to where they want to get going. Okay. I mean, that, that you can definitely do that. Okay. I'm not saying that everybody who charges thousands of dollars for players uh, is, is doing it, um, uh, in a malicious way. Um, I'm just saying that th that just closes the door though, for the kind of kids we get at De La Salle playing football that grew up at a rail playground that grew up in the ninth ward. Okay. That grew up in Woodmere. And, um, there's, no way those kids are coming to our to our uh, clubs to play soccer unless soccer goes to them. And the one thing about these these uh, two West Bank clubs that we have now is that you know, kid from Woodmere can can get to the practice, and a lot of these little ones they come to practice and they love it. And some of the football coaches have figured out is that kids who play soccer when they're younger they really turn out to be great football players, and so they're not so worried. Except for one school, I'll remain not named. Uh, most of the most of the high school um, out there they they don't mind kids playing playing um, soccer because. Um, they know that it could be a help and it's probably not going to be something where the kids are forced that they can never play football, you know, although that could, that could happen. Okay. So anyhow, we'll see how this all goes. I'm in it. I'm in the Alliance, but, uh, I, I kind of also enjoyed being in the Metro league. Uh, um, when, when we always went to, old Lakeview area and everybody played everybody for really $300 a season. That's not that much. And, um, and, and we developed our six and eights and tens in, in that environment. And, um, um, anyhow, I, I think excluding them is something I would like to not see. And, uh, I think we need to pull our resources together. And I think that one radio show here is not going to fix this. Uh, I think the issues are, are are very, very serious and need to be negotiated. Hopefully with, with this new technology we have with having Zoom conferencing and whatnot, maybe we can start to uh, roll up our sleeves and, and hash it all out. Like, how can we have both worlds active? How can we have low pay soccer to develop kids that normally would not go and how can we identify kids who belong in the division, top divisions and and uh, how can we um, facilitate paying for their development and and uh, and work together I don't know and that's what ODP was supposed to be too and don't get me started on ODP um, but uh, I did I coached ODP for a season and 
And anyway, uh, uh, with Luis Sabillon, what a wonderful guy he is. And uh, and it, it was something. Okay, so that's it with club. And like I've been on the air too long, but but um, I do want to um, change the topic to high school for a minute. Um, I, talking with some high school coaches of the non-high level top teams, like the top four teams in D1 and the boys and the girls sign. Okay. I mean, those are the monsters out there. We all know who they are. Okay. And they don't need to be ashamed of who they are. I tried hard to get um, my brother Martin squad in that, in that, in that group, in that elite group. And uh, it is really hard to coach at that level, y'all. Uh, it is not easy to coach at that level. Those kids who go there, there's no way in the world um, uh, you can be incompetent, unorganized, and not attuned politically to all the, the, the players that are so high quality that are sitting on the bench. So, you know, that's another animal altogether. But for all of us people who are developing programs, we just it gets frustrating for us to to go to these state semifinal games and see tons of juniors sitting and seniors subbing for these teams when they could have started as freshmen. Uh, and playing what, what what I did when I was at Brother Martin was, okay, well, these freshmen have no chance of getting on the field. So let's make a good junior high league. And that's when I kind of sponsored a junior high league, kind of backed away from it since I left Brother Martin. And I'm starting to see the need to, to go back in it. But y'all still, uh, ninth grade soccer is going to develop the players a little bit. But man, uh, I had one player at, at Brother Martin who started as a freshman and graduated as the Gatorade Player of the Year. Okay, by the time he was a senior, he there was nothing you could throw at him on the soccer field that he hadn't seen before, and he and he was a threat to score every time he touched the ball, and uh, 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 and but that was because he came to Brother Martin, and we 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 hadn't gotten to that top tier yet, and he kind of helped us launch into that. Okay, he, um, and we won a couple of state titles in a row, uh, only one with him. Uh, the next generation stepped up, and then the next generation. Went to the state finals in 03 and lost to Jesuit. But but uh, uh, it, it, him playing as a freshman had a lot to do with that. And I, I do understand if you're going to go to a school because it's a good school, you got a family tradition going there, that's, that's a whole different ball game. But if you want your kid to develop as a soccer player in the school, really, there's many great schools out there. Okay, um, and, and the same is true. Really, most of the metropolitan areas of the people listening here. Okay, um, uh, I, I can't think of one that there's not that's not true in Shreveport, Monroe, Alexandria. Now, um, Lake Charles, Baton Rouge, Lafayette for sure, and definitely New Orleans, North Shore. Uh, there are kids who are sitting on the bench on some of the better teams that are out there that could be captains on some of the teams that that are that are surrounding them within three four miles in schools that are just as good. Okay, and they could be having the full high school experience of having a chance to go against those players that put them on the bench and maybe beat them and then maybe get better than them, or at least be as good. And 
uh, I'd love to have that conversation. Like, what is in the mindset of people? Or are they naive when they go in as freshmen and think, okay, because my kid was on the D1 team at such and such club. When he goes to this high school, he's going to be a starter by the time he's a sophomore. It's like, man, smell the coffee. You know, go to a practice. Uh, uh, I'll never forget, I went to St. Paul's um junior high tournament, I got a chance to watch their JV practice one day. And I was just thinking, man, there's not a division one team in the state that could beat St. Paul's JV. <laughs> okay. Not one. And of course we'll never know, but uh, I was just looking at their talent, just thinking, holy cow, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, what would those kids do if they were going to uh, Fountain Blue or if they were going to uh, Christ Episcopal or North Lake Christian? You know, uh, uh, they would be get, they would be starting. They wouldn't be playing JV, and and who knows how much more developed they would be getting. Now, there's a lot to be said for good competition, baby. I'll tell you that. But uh, I, I was talking to a coach today who uh, had a few players who who left his smaller school and went to a larger school, and none of them play now as seniors. And and. By now, they would have been first-team all-district players in Division Two or Three, And um, for some reason, we have a stigma to that. I, I guarantee you this. When I was in D1, I was tunnel-visioned. You know, I didn't think uh, anything D2 or below, uh, you know, could hang with D, with with the Catholic League, you know, in Lafayette. And, uh, uh, but, man, when I left the Catholic League, well, I didn't really leave it. I went to Shaw. But when I left Division One and got to Division Two and Three, my eyes have been wide open. I've co- I have not coached uh, harder in my life, okay, uh, uh, than I am right now. I'm learning a lot more, and um, and there's a lot of satisfaction developing a group of kids who are not the elite players and seeing if you can get them to play at elite level. So. Um, I don't know what the kids are thinking when they're when they're applying for their schools or whatnot. If they're getting good information, if the parents are are, are doing any research about it, but uh, I, I can guarantee you this: by the time when those kids graduate off of those teams, and even if they get a ring, you know. I wonder how satisfied they are of their high school experience, uh, being that they never really played before. So. Okay, I think it's time for me to shut up. We've we've talked about a lot of controversial stuff, which we always do, and I appreciate the fact that uh, none of you take it the wrong way. Um, um, I'm here to try to unify the soccer community and develop it, not put it against one another. We do a good enough job of doing that on our own. Okay, I like to see us work together more in all four tiers: parents, referees, coaches, and players. So. When we come back next week, we'll see we'll see how that webinar goes. I'll report to you about what happened about that. Uh, we'll be talking about LCSL issues, and uh, and uh, and see how everything goes. Well, don't forget we got this COVID crisis. We were talking. This whole show was making a deep assumption that we're going to be back to normal in August. And y'all, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay, uh, look at the numbers in the last ten days. So. We'll see. Let's pray for the best, okay, and prepare for the worst, and let's keep going forward. Uh, so this is Coach Allen Druid on Monday Night Football, wishing all of you a great good night and, uh, and a good week, and uh, pray God willing we see each other or listen to each other next week on Monday Night Football. Carpe diem. Awesome.